Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit, with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. God bless you. We're here at Fire Talk Radio. We're experiencing a great time. Last night we got to minister on the on the relationship of the compassion Jesus showed toward people and how God loves in such an intimate way. A very powerful time we had last night. Tonight is the conclusion of the book of Daniel, which is the 12th chapter, of course. And what we're going to do, we're going to do a synopsis of the book of Daniel, along with teaching about the 12th, having to do with the fact that rolling all this up together. The two great books having to do with the fact of the end times, in the Old Testament is the book of Daniel, and in the New Testament is the book of Revelation. Those two combined give us more information regarding the end times than any other book. And so as we look at that, we're going to see some interesting things. So basically, when we talk about eschatology, which is the doctrine of last things, eschatology, and the different ologies they have, theology, the study about God. We have uh, bibliology, the study about the Bible. We have uh, soteriology, which is the study about Jesus and the cross. And all of the different ologies, which almost all Bible colleges get into. And so what we're discussing is eschatology in the last days. These are the last days part information as far as we have according to Scripture. And the context of it, of course, is the Bible. That is the book we hold on to. We have, and maybe you don't know this, that when the Jewish people, when in their synagogues, when they are having a reader, they receive the book, and usually they kiss the book, showing a great respect for the Word of God. And uh, I, I have been to a few Jewish meetings. It's most interesting. And so their heart is reaching out to the living God. It's amazing. But here in Daniel, in the 12th chapter, basically, we have the talk of the tribulation. And there's three versions about the tribulation. We have the first version called the pre-trib. That means before the tribulation, the church will be taken away. A number of people believe that, to the fact that God's not going to take the wedding or the, he, he calls this his bride. He's not going to take the bride and drag the bride through the mud, which is in part in relationship of believing that all Christians will leave the earth before the tribulation comes. As we know, according to Scripture, the mid-tribulation has to do with the fact that in tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, in the middle of the three and a half years, information regarding the fact of what is basically going to happen, the alignment of the Jewish people with the Antichrist 
will be in formation and they will receive his information. And to them, for three and a half years, he will be the sweetest, kindest, most gentle man ever created because he is full of deception. That's why his name is Antichrist. That means he's against Christ. And there's much scripture in regard to that in mid-tribulation. That is in the middle of the tribulation. Then, of course, you have the post-tribulation, which is after, after the tribulation. Amazingly enough, that every one of the versions, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, have scripture that can support each of their thoughts and ideas. In the tribulation, it tells us, in regard to that, it says the church shall be gone. It talks about that, too. It talks about the mid-tribulation having to do with the fact that in the middle of tribulation, because during the first three and a half years, he will not be the tyrant that he is supposed to be, according to Scripture. In the post-tribulation, it means it's already over with. And that's when Jesus comes back and destroys the Antichrist and does everything. Take your Bible and let's begin reading in Daniel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. At that time, Michael, now what are we dealing with? Michael is the archangel of war. Again, the angel of communication is Gabriel. And the archangel of worship was Lucifer. So there were three great archangels operating in the kingdom of God. And so as these archangels, they had their own position, their place, as to what they were doing. You want to know about Lucifer in Ezekiel, Lawson Isaiah, gives much to say about Lucifer before he fell from heaven. And of course, we say it this way, which is true. God never made the devil. The devil made himself. When he was cast out of heaven and he came to the earth, it said he was burnt up. And he took on that, you know, view of the picture. That did exactly. And so ever since that time, he was against anything. He could never fight the Father, the Father God we're talking about. He tried with the Son. He could never fight the Holy Spirit. The only thing that the devil could fight was the creation of God called man. And that's what he's been doing for thousands and thousands and thousands of years trying to destruct and destroy and come against every thought and plan in regard to the word of God. So notice that we talk about that uh, at that time, time we're talking about. So what this is, it would, this witness of the chapter is talking about the seal message that was revealed by Jesus Christ to John on the Isle of Patmos, getting all the information there. As we read from the book of Revelation, that's where John was at. He was on the Isle of Patmos. Remember, it says that he was in the Lord's day. He was at that time at the Lord's day. And when the revelation came to him, the power of God came to him and he fell on his face. You read that in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. gives you information in regard to that. So notice what it says. At that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. 
And at that time, your people, Jewish people, shall be delivered. Everyone who's found written in the book. Then we're talking about the tribulation. And then that is uh, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world, until this time. No, nor ever shall be. Matthew 24 and verse 21. Speaking about the time of the tribulation. Also, too, in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, having to do with the fact of where they were in the location of what they they were on the earth, whether they were kings, whether they were princes, or what they were just, just people just going to work, whatever it was. Small and great. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, Almighty God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Need to study that out completely. That's most interesting. The judgment by the book is the Bible. That's where the judgment comes from. It's found at that time. Like we just said there in Daniel chapter 12. At that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone found written in the book. The books are there. The books are in heaven. You find people who have had uh, uh, experiences, have gone to heaven, have seen these books. I I remember several years ago that there were people that have come back with testimony of how they were in heaven for a while. And they saw the books. They saw these books. Now, all the way through the Word, see, God is very specific in what he says, what he does, and how he operates in the universe. All right, now let's look at the resurrection. This is in the second verse of Daniel chapter 12, that's verse 2. It said, many of those who sleep, that means they're dead, in the dust of the earth. Did you see that? In the dust of the earth. What happens when you're buried The only thing that is buried in the ground is your body, your soul, either with God or with the devil. And, of course, your spirit is with the Lord Jesus Christ. It said, many who sleep in the dust of the earth, like the scripture says, actually, the ashes, dust to dust, you have a certain hope. That's what happens when death. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, gives the whole information about it, 1 Corinthians 15. All of the information you need about that is right there. Now, notice what it talks about. Shall awake. That means they come from the resurrection. They are resurrected. Some, that shows you the difference here. Some to everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. So you've got the distinction here of everlasting life. And again, you have the distinction of some that have everlasting contempt. Imagine that. Also verifying that is John chapter 5 and verse 29. It says, And come forth all those that have done good to the resurrection of life, and to those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. It would be good to take those different scriptures and read them in different translations, such as the message such as the Living, such as the Amplified Bible, 
and all the different translations that come forth, which actually what it's saying in itself. All right? Well, we're just down to Daniel 4. It said that these are messages are sealed and the timing yet to be opened. Daniel 12 and verse 4, he said, but you, Daniel, and seal the book. Until what? Until the time of the end. And then he goes on to say, now, this has been misinterpreted so many ways that having to do with the fact that, that many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. We understand about that. We understand about technology. We understand about what's happening. We understand we have cars. We understand the difference between what they had in those days as opposed to what we have these days. The end of time. Now, we don't have a distinction of the time level, what time is generally speaking about. We're talking about the times we're living right now. To the end of time, many shall run to and fro. Now, don't you know the hustle and bustle of life today? As you travel, especially those in larger cities, it takes them at least an hour to get to work. Imagine that. An hour to get to work from where they're actually just, you know, maybe 30, 40 miles away. Showing you that, that, that you know, we're living in those days right now. And then it goes on to say, knowledge shall increase. Ever known a society today that knowledge has been increased. We have our computers. We have our iPads. We have all of the technology you can possibly imagine. We have satellite. We have Internet. We've got everything imaginable. And things even, I remember years ago, there was a comic strip having to do with Dick Tracy, and he was speaking to a watch. And we thought that was so way out. But they're doing it today. They're doing the same thing today. Talking about that. So knowledge has been increased, true. And then go down to verse 9. Then the angel was saying, he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. The scripture never tells us exactly what the time of the end. You remember there was a man that wrote a book having to do with about the fact coming of Jesus, the 88 reasons why Jesus shall come in 1988. Well, guess what? He didn't come in 88. And then he wrote a book the year after. He said, why should he come in 89? He didn't come in 89. Where is that man today? He's under some kind of rock because he didn't want to be discovered as to what he missed it in such a fashion. Now, go to the book with me to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, what's interesting, this is the time the book's to be opened in that fifth chapter of the book of Revelation. It tells us now there's a lot of people who believe that in Revelation chapter 4, that after that period of time, it does say, having regard to the end part time, and some believe that the church will be taken up at that point in time. There's a scripture mentioning that. So it has to do with that. But then it goes on to say in chapter 5, they're looking for someone to open the book. And the elders, we're talking about the elders in heaven, said to me, John, don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, this is Jesus. The root of David has prevailed. 
to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. As you discuss and go over the book of Revelation, it's not the book of Revelation. Some have said that. The book of Rev. No, no, no. It's the book of Revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ to John. That's how we understand it. The book of Revelation. So the angel was speaking, or the elder, one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. Behold, the line of the tribe, that's Jesus. The root of David, the Messiah, has prevailed. He is one. He has taken over. He's in charge to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. As you look through the scripture, you will see these particular seals. And as you notice them, they're very, very strong in the direction of on the earth. Now, let's go back again. Let's, let's look at one particular scripture. Look at verse 7 of Daniel 12. This is an amazing scripture, a wonderful scripture, a scripture that gives us much information. Then, this is verse 7, then I heard a man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, listen to this segment of time, shall for a time, times, and half a time when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Now, what this is speaking about, this phrase, talking about time, times, half a time, is in reference to three and a half years. The three and a half year period. Go back to Daniel chapter 9. This again gives more information about having to do with the midpoint of the tribulation. This is talking about the Antichrist. And in Daniel 9, verse 27, it, it actually specifies, the Antichrist shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. On the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Now, we might be doing a little jumping around from Daniel back to Revelation, but this gives the context. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 2, it said, But leave the court, which is outside of the temple, and don't measure it, for it has been given to the nations. That's the Gentiles talking about nations. And they will tread the holy city, Jerusalem, underfoot for 42 months. What is 42 months? 42 months is equal to the three and a half years. As we were just talking about that you go from Revelation back to Daniel. And Daniel 12 and verse 11, it says, from that time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up. Notice that. The abomination of desolation, that's another name for the Antichrist. The abomination of desolation is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. And again, those days, 1,290 days, is the equivalent of three and a half years. So Daniel prophesied at the midpoint of the Great Tribulation. 
that would be a turning point. The Antichrist would be revealed. Now, someone's asked me a question here recently, and they asked the question in regard to the Antichrist. They said, do you believe that he's in power anywhere in the world? I said, no, he is not in power. He could be alive, but he has not come to the formation of power. And the scripture also declares to us that when the Antichrist comes, that the other nations will bow. Every nation has to come to a point and to a time and say that the Antichrist, when he rules, he said, yes, they give their kingdoms to him. Not by war, they just release it to him. Because he'll make a bunch of promises. He'll say, I'll do this for you, I'll do that for you. I'll, I'll give you money, I'll help you here, I'll help you there. He will be like the greatest benefactor ever lived in regard to the nations of the world. But he will be so deceptive that he will take a covenant, which is the time period of three and a half years, and in those three and a half years he'll make promises and promises and promises and promises, and then he will make covenant and covenant and covenant and covenant, and then at the end of the three and a half years then he'll cut all that, and he said, I really didn't mean it anyway. So Daniel, he prophesied that the midpoint of the Great Tribulation would be a turning point. It's going to turn on his axis that the Antichrist would be revealed and wickedness would overrun the earth. Now, those of you that have missed the lesson on the Antichrist is quite interesting because what we have found out uh, turn with me over here to Revelation, and that would be chapter 13 in that book. And it does specify talking about the Antichrist, giving much information about him, and declaring what he plans to do. In that, the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation, there, the last book of the Bible. Needless to say, the last book of the Bible is not your concordance. No, the last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. Okay, in the 13th chapter, I want to just uh, read just a few verses to you because in itself we'd have to go over that whole teaching in order to have any semblance of what we're going to. In that 13th chapter, it tells us all about what the Antichrist plans to do and wants to and has decided to do. And uh, in that, in itself, uh, the 13th chapter, now notice what it says here. In that 13th chapter, verse 7, it says these words. And, and talking about the Antichrist. But let's, uh, okay, let's go back to verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him, the Antichrist, to continue 42 months, which is two and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy. We're talking about verse 6. Against God. We're talking about the Almighty God. To blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and to them that live in heaven. Now, notice where he is calling and speaking against. He's speaking against Almighty God, speaking against his tabernacle, speaking against the name of God, and speaking of them who are already in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with saints and overcome them. Power was given to him and of all kindred tongues and the nations. And then verse 8, and all that live upon the earth shall worship him. Now, that's not talking about the saved or anything like that. 
that has to do with the fact that when they are not worshiping him, that means they're not part of him. And what this is talking about, that their, their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it says this happened since the foundation of the world. So now, again, on the 13th chapter, this is again speaking about the Antichrist. And so you have to build a foundation for it. And talking about what he wants to do and what he's trying to do. So several things about the Antichrist. In verse 11, it said, the other beast of the earth who said they're horns and like a lamb, he speak as a dragon. He exercised all the power of the first beast before him, causes the earth of them to live therein, to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And does great things, so that he makes fire come down out of heaven on earth in the sight of men. So he was performing sights and wonders on the earth by demonic power. And then verse 14, he deceiveth all them that live on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying unto them that live on the earth, they should make an image to the beast and had a wound by a sword and did live. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many that would not worship the image should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, that no man might be able to sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast. And the number of his name, here is wisdom. Let him count that his understanding, count the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man. Now, some have said that the, the beast itself or some, uh, something that they have formed and put together, some kind of great computer. No, 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 it's just a man. Talking about a man. It's not talking about some, some mechanical thing that's put together, whatever they're trying to do. No, it said the name of the beast, the number of a man is the number of 666. Okay, it never goes on to say exactly what 666 is. We know that teaching and going over some of these things, we find out that what the enemy of our souls is trying to do is trying to bring deception upon the earth in such magnitude. Now, watch this. We're speaking, we're looking over here in Second Thessalonians, and again, it has much to say about the Antichrist. So, as we build the foundation of the Antichrist, we know exactly what we're doing and where we're at in that position. The second second uh, book of Thessalonians, and what it basically is saying here, this is talking about the last times, and this is speaking Second Thessalonians chapter two. Uh, here's here's what it says. Uh, in verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means that the day should come upon you, lest they come a falling away first. The man of sin would be revealed. That's uh, the Antichrist. The son of perdition, that's another name that he had. What does he do? He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that worshiped, so that he as God, he calls himself God. He said he as God, showing himself that he is God. Remember I told you that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And then he goes on to say that you might know, withhold, that he might be revealed in his time. Verse 6, in his time. There's a time, there's a place where he shall be revealed. In his time. 
This is what it says about him. For the mystery of iniquity, another, another name for him, does already work not only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. There you go. The brightness of his coming. What is it? This is the one called revelation, the coming of revelation. Uh, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders, with all uh, deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, this God allowed it to happen. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And all that might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. My, 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 my. That in itself gives us a, a picture of what the Antichrist is about, what he's trying to do, and all the information. So if men and women who love the Word of God would read that and understand it, then they would have greater information in regard to the Antichrist. We're not left in such a place that we don't know anything about this. The Word of God speaks about it all the way through. From Daniel talks about it. Revelation talks about it. Second uh, Thessalonians talks about it. All these different places of the Scripture speak about the Antichrist. And I was showing you one time before that talking about the Antichrist today, it's the Antichrist spirit. There are people with the Antichrist spirit. Anything that's against Christ is anti-Christ. That's what we're dealing with. And that's where a lot of the information we have coming right now direct down to you. Okay. Now, let's look at another scripture here. We have lots of scriptures to look to and to have information resort that and talking about these things that God has placed. Now, it's so exciting and so wonderful and so blessed that the Word of God is with us. If you would just take a study on how the Word of God came to us, you would be so amazed. How the protection, the self-preservation of the Word of God, how he protected his Word all the way through down through the timeless generations. And God protected the Word so we could have it today. The Word of God is so powerful and wonderful and glorious that we need to understand that, to know that. Look now in Daniel chapter 12, look at verse 13. But you, now was he talking to you? He's talking to Daniel. But you, Daniel, go your way until the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. So according to Scripture, Daniel has a place to fulfill. So Daniel prophesied that all true believers, we don't need to be afraid of the coming end-time events. The believer shall be preserved by his mighty power. By God's power, the preservation will take place. And through them, this is just showing us about the promises of the rapture of the church. And so, in that particular thought and idea, that's where we are right now. But going back over the book of Daniel, and in everyone talking about a synopsis, talking about that, how that the span of time is between 616 B.C. to eternity to the day because it says Jesus is coming back with his saints. 
mentions that all the way in the book of Daniel. You also find in Isaiah chapter 39 and Ezekiel 36, talking about that, how powerful. The word Daniel means actually means that God is my judge. Talking about judgment that is coming. So the prophecy of Daniel includes all these elements talking about that. And the reason that Israel went into bondage into Babylon is because they didn't obey the Sabbath law. Because they did not obey that 70-year time element, then they suffered bondage under the Babylon and Persia. So as we understand that, and when Daniel was taken away, he was a teenager when he was taken away. He was just a kid. And he was there for the entire period of 70 years. So he was in his 80s when he started writing this information, putting it down. This is all these things that have there. Talking about those things. Those things that can and will and and all these other things that are accompanying them. So Daniel, as he was mentioned, talking about that, he says in Ezekiel, he said, these men know it, Daniel, Job. He said, these men, if they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, said the Lord God, and having to do with the fact that these men, or if I send a pestilence to the land, pour out my fury upon it, cut it off from man and beast, even though... Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God. They would deliver neither son or daughter, neither would they deliver themselves, but by their righteousness. Amazing. So in that first chapter, you have the beginning of what Daniel did when he was in there. We know about some things. and <clears throat> Even when I was a young boy, one of my favorite Bible stories was David and Goliath. But the older I got, I began to see, well, wait a minute, that, that, that's not bad. I tell you, you got the Goliath, you know, and then, then you have the, you know, the, the bear and the lion, the different things. That, that's wonderful. But as you progress, you see that the very action that Daniel had in a land, he didn't know anything. He had to learn the language of that land. He had to understand our customs in that land. But he made inside his heart he said to all of those, he said, I will not defile myself. Now, what do you mean by that? It means that every time they had their food, they would honor their food to their God. Knowing that, Daniel said, I will not participate in your drinking of your, whatever you're drinking, and not whatever you're eating, because it's, it's there, because you have done it, and you have sacrificed it to your gods. And Daniel, with his young men, had great favor. Now, it's an amazing thing about Daniel's life. Then it has to do, in the second chapter of the book, it has to do with some amazing things. And it has to do with Nebuchadnezzar. And he has this tremendous vision from the time of Daniel all the way through to the end of time. This is on the plains of Dura. And uh, I hear there's excavations going on all the time, see if they can find some more information about that. In Daniel chapter 2, it says, O king, you're watching, behold, the great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image of the head was fine gold, its chest of arms of silver. The gold was representative of the kingdom of Babylon. Then, of course, the media Persia came in, you have them after Daniel chapter 5, so they were not written in order like chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, not like that at all. 
they had different thoughts and ideas, and therefore they, it was placed in there as a book, but it doesn't go chapter by chapter the way we would think that direction. Because we find that in that period of time, we we also notice here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down to the image. And so, therefore, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, chapter 3. And while they were thrown in there, the supernatural power of God came, and they said, didn't we throw three men in? And they said, of course we did. We threw three men in that fiery furnace. He said, how is it we see a fourth man? <laughs> oh, glory to God, that fourth man was Jesus. Jesus got so excited about it. He came off the throne of God. He came all the way down there, and he went right down into that fiery pit, and he stayed in there, and their bands fell off of them. That's the only thing that burned. The only thing that burned in that fiery furnace. And it was heated seven times hotter than it had ever been before, and the men that threw them in died. That's how hot the fire was. And these men, <laughs> they said, King, we don't know whether God's going to deliver us or not, but we know this. We will not bow our knee to you. We will not bow to the image. Oh, I love that. They were so decided that they would not do that. Oh, I tell you, there's three words these young men had. First, it was determination. We will not bow. Secondly, they had sanctification. They could describe them the fact that they served a holy God. They were not going to be moved aside or have a detour in any direction whatsoever, they were going to follow the Lord God with all of their heart in every way. The sanctification is talking about how they served a holy God. And then, of course, they knew the protection that would come to them. God got involved when they determined and said, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know this. We will not bow. The king even said, I'm going to give you a second chance. And they said, no way, that's not going to happen. So what we see here is God's power in evidence in their life. Oh, hallelujah. Then again, you see the hand of man in the operation of chapter 4. The operation chapter 4 it has to do with this great monarch. He finally had to be humble. He finally had to come down with facts of wait a minute. I'm just, so one of the things we put about that is this. The offenders of God's law. Who were the offenders of God's law? First one, the offenders of God's law was Satan. You find this in Isaiah 14. You find it in Ezekiel chapter 28. Uh, what they had talked about and what Satan said, it was having to do in relationship with the uh, proximity of heaven and then percentage of the energy having to do with the fact that Adam and Eve and creating children, they... The, the perceived injury that Satan had. Then, of course, on that, the pride of his heart. He said, I will be like the most high God. So you could say after that, you could say Satan, number one. You could say Adam and Eve because they hated the garden. You say Cain because he killed his brother. You can say the flood. Sin brought that destruction. Sin brought the destruction. Finally, he had the destruction by fire and brimstone. Genesis 19 having to do with facts of Sodom and Gomorrah. By God himself, he brought it down on them. Then from the time of Joseph to the time of Moses, Pharaoh, and all those things that happened to him. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? My, 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 my. 
So in that fourth chapter, God finally had to say, well, well wait a minute. We, we, we're going to talk to you, Nebuchadnezzar. We have to bring you down. And it came to him that, you know, one of the things the enemy does, he tried to put a name on us. And maybe you have had the name placed on you for sickness, or maybe you had a name on you unbelief, and maybe you had a name placed on you having to do with foul, doubt, and then you had a name put on you having to do with fear. Whatever name the enemy had tried to put on you, sickness, fear, doubt, unbelief, we break its power off of you in the name of Jesus right now, by the authority of the word of God. Hallelujah. See, the devil has a name. But I know a name greater than any name. At that name, every knee shall bow. And at that name, every tongue shall confess. His name is Jesus, the Son of the living God, that can set all mankind free. Hallelujah. 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 Whoa, I'm just about getting carried away having to do with the fact that we're going to have communion a little bit, but it's just going to be down the road here, cross. And then, of course, you have Daniel 5, having to do with the fact that Belshazzar, actually it was his grandson, and what that happened, God writes an epitaph having to do with the fact of the Babylonian Empire. It was crushed without any kind of warning. And finally, because a hand was written, the, the actual hand was there, writing on the wall, said, meaning, meaning, he took your farts, and he called all for his, supposed to be soothsayers. He called all for the men that he thought would have supernaturally say what they could say. But he had no idea. Meaning, meaning, he took your farts. Finally, Daniel came in and said, this is what it means. He said, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. He said, you've been waiting the balances without warning. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the means of the person. So when did that happen? That very night. That very night. The means came in, killed everybody, took care of that, and that turned the whole thing there. Turned the whole thing. Belshazzar was drinking wine with 1,000 of his lords. In his drunken stupor, he commanded the golden vessels. This is where he crossed the line. He took the golden vessels taken from the temple in Jerusalem and brought them and started drinking from them. And he used them to toast their demon gods. My, 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 my. Oh, I tell you, God put up with so much, I'm telling you what. Then in Daniel chapter 6, of course, we know that Daniel was in the den of lions because of his relationship to his God. When that happened, I tell you what. They said, oh, king. See, they came in kind of slyly. And what they tried to do, they said, go well, wait a minute here. Let, let's have something that it's a situation that if anyone would say anything against our kingdom or anything like that, or has any ruler over you, therefore let it be thrown to the dead of land. And so the king's ego said, oh, yeah, 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 why don't you do it? So they did it, and they fired it up, and they put the, the, uh, the very law there. And so what happened? The king was more upset than anybody. And finally, okay, Daddy was down there. You put him in there, put him down there. And so, of course, the king couldn't sleep that night. He had insomnia in the worst degree. But I don't think Daniel. Daniel had these big old big cats down there. He said, come over here, Leo. Put your paw right behind my head. Come over here. I need a little bit on the right side, a little bit on the left side, some down by the feet. Hey, I'm going to get warm tonight. I'm going to have a lion's coat tonight. And so he went down there and slept and slept and slept and had a good time. And then everything else. And finally the king couldn't sleep. He got up in the morning and said, Daniel, is your God? Is that God of yours that you serve? Are you all right? He said, oh, yeah, king, well, I'm fine. He said, I hear you didn't sleep much, but I said, I'm fine. <laughs> and somebody might say, well, those lions weren't actually hungry. Well, the king took all those men and wrote those things. The council, the advisors, consulted together against the royal statute and made a firm decree. 
And when that took place, he took them. He took them. He took them and their families, put them down there. And the Bible says even before they hit the ground, the lions had eaten them up. The lions were hungry. And they got fed. Well, then in Daniel 7, it goes to a prophetic stage. Talking about, about the end times having to do with the fact of the relationship with the vision. Talking about the, the prophetic beast. And what God sees and what man sees. Study that out completely. What he's talking about, the historic, the, the last six are prophetic. The, the uh, actual, in they, they're not arranged in chronological order. That's what we're saying. The first six chapters are historic. And then the last are prophetic. Talking about those last things that are happening at that time. At that time. At that time. We serve a good God. Serve it. And chapter 8 having to do with more prophetic. 9 has to do again with prophecy. Moving in that direction. In chapter 10, having to do with the cosmic warfare, we're talking about evil opposing good. And, of course, good always wins. And this is very powerful and wonderful. And, of course, in the 11th chapter, we talked about that. And then, of course, in the last one, we just mentioned about you, about the Antichrist, talking about in the last days, these things would and shall happen. And then he goes on to say in Daniel 12 and 13, he said, but you go your way until the end, and you will rest, and you will stand in the lot. At the end of the days, this is Daniel 12 and verse 13. I tell you, <clears throat> we can get engaged in the book of Daniel, one of the most amazing books. It only has 12 chapters, but it covers a span of time like no other book. Oh, my, 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 my. You need to find some books like it. Uh, uh, Brother Sumrall had... Uh, a book written about Daniel. I believe it's uh, having to do with a syllabus side. That's what we're looking at, the syllabus side. So if you look at the, probably you could Google it, let's see, and get all the information, and that's where you get your address. And I would suggest that you do that. It, it would be amazing. It, it, uh, then you can take notes besides doing the other things and understand that. It's several syllabus. I've written many, many, many books having to do a relationship just with the Word of God. All right. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take the Holy Communion. Get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. We're going to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Matthew 26, 26. And as we go through it, we believe. The Bible says, as oft as you do this, you do show my death until I come. And so as you look at Matthew 26 and verse 26, we have the Holy Communion. Some call it the Eucharist. Some call it the Holy Supper. But as we mention the communion, the Holy Communion is one of the most important things for us to participate in, to participate in it, Brother Smith Wigglesworth spoke to Brother Sumrall and said, you know, communion every day. Because the Bible says, as often as you do it. All right, beginning in Matthew 26 and verse 26. That's what our location is, 26, 26. And this is how it reads. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And blessed it, 
and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, that's the disciples, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for remission or for forgiveness of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine. Did you get that? The fruit of the vine. Until that day, that means in heaven, when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Oh, my, 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 my. That, again, speaks to it in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 26, down to verse 29, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it also says that Jesus is our Passover, speaking about the communion, talking about that, how that the blood, uh, how his blood has made us free, glory to God, how he's made us free from all the attack of the enemy, free, free, free. Many times I've said about the efficacious wounds of Jesus. He had a crown of thorns. He was wounded. He had lacerations. He had a spear in his side. He had his beard plucked from him. All of the ones. Then, of course, in his feet were nailed to the cross. His hands were nailed to the cross. All the punishment that he went through. Isaiah said he was so punished that his visions are what? He didn't even look like a man. He was so punished. If you don't know Jesus, now would be a good time. Say these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me of every sin. Cleanse me with your precious blood. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for setting me free. Wash me. Clean me. Make me whole. Make me new again. I thank you, Lord. I give you praise. I give you glory. And I give you honor. In the wonderful, holy, precious name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will eternally thank you for what you did for me on Calvary. Brother, sister, when you do that, the scripture says, by the confession of your mouth and by the believing of your heart, you're saved. It says that in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. That the believing heart and by the confession of the mouth, you are born again. (laughs) You are born again. I'll say it again. You are born again. A new creation has come. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. You ought to get excited right about that right now. They're touching and healing and setting you free and causing your mind to go free and your heart to go free, your life to go free, and whatever recumbrances you've had, whatever pain you've had, whatever sickness you've had, and whatever trials you've been through. Maybe it's a cloudy mind. Maybe it's a messed up body. Maybe it's messed up in your mind, messed up. Maybe a confusion. I don't know what it is. God does. And that God, the very God, wants to set you free. 
And the Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is what? Is free indeed. Oh, my, 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 my. I'm telling you what. One of the greatest, and we all sing the song, but it's never told exactly what happened. We're talking about the life of John Newton. John Newton was a pirate, and he had run away from home, didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want to do anything with the Bible, anything with God, anything with religion. And so he, he joined a pirate ship. And while he was down in the very oceans, where the oceans come together, coming around Cape Horn, the ship was about ready to break up in pieces, and all the ship would have been lost. But John Newton asked forgiveness, prayed a prayer. God heard him. That's the man that wrote Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I was blind, but now I see. All of the different verses that identified to where he was. And then what it talks about, it says that when we have been with the Lord 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, no less praised than since the day we have very begun. And then I like the last verse. I put it this way. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Then it's he praise God all the way through. If you find a, a book about John Newton, read it. And that will give it the complete story on how he wrote that famous song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. And we can just in our hearts and our lives come to that position and place it. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will never be able to say as many times, Lord, thank you. It's going to be a continuation from the earth to the heavens. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's our God. It's our God. Every sickness, every pain, every disease, leave in the name of Jesus. Let your sweet presence fill their hearts and fill their lives. The sweetness of the presence of the Lord. The glory of God, power in your majesty. Move over. Take control. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll not be having these programs for a while. I'm going to be doing something else. I'll be moving from Florida, going into North Carolina. Tell you more about that. And possibly then we can pick up where we left off. And what I'd like to do, I'd like to talk about and give information and teach about the book of Ephesians. But I'll be getting back with you later on. So this is one of our last broadcasts before we make a decision as to when we'll be on again. So the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Bless you. Bye now.